So, it's really good to be with you. Um, yeah, Rana and I, we first met almost 14 years ago. Wow, wow, you are still in short trousers. No, no, no. <laughs> and uh, I pastored, in, uh, pastored a church in Manchester, pastored a church in Stockport, South Manchester, pastored in the church near Coventry. And uh, then God took me to work at the Theological College, which was a miracle. I didn't want to go to a Theological College anyway. But then, of course, met Rana, so obviously it was right. And we've been uh, mates ever since, and it's, it's a joy to be with you. It really is. It's my first time. Um, anybody else It's the first time? Oh. Yeah. Oh, good, good. See? Like that, like that. Um, just to mention one or two things about college before. Um, on some of the seats, we've got a little bookmark like this. Please feel free to take the bookmark. Um, if you don't want it, then you could sell it to the person on the row next to you. <laughs> 20p, that's the going rate. Um, but that's just a bookmark from college. Please take that. And there's more on the desk at the back. Um, just to encourage you to pray for us. And there's also um, some of these little white cards. And this is a brand new course. Uh, there's three available at the moment. Uh, and there's going to be about 12 um, by the end of this year. But they're online courses. You just sign up, you register, and it's an online course. I've done the one on being Pentecostal. Because I'm a bit of a maniac about being Pentecostal, being filled with God's Spirit. We need His power. So that's why I did that course. And there's some really great courses. So, um, and one of those QR things, you trendy young people, you know what that does. You do things with that. Um, but if you want to investigate that, that's online short courses. They are beginning to be available and we're rolling out more and more. Um, and uh, not on your, t- on the, on your uh, seats, but on the desk at the back, there's this. This is brand new. It's a certificate in leadership and discipleship. And uh, for the first time, we're launching in London. I've, I'm sure you've heard of London. Yeah. And um, there's a, a large church there that's part of the Ely movement that we're all part of uh, called Kensington Temple. And we're partnering with Kensington Temple um, and launching this from September. And uh, this is, again, for normal people. Have a look at the person next to you. Do they look normal? <laughs> yeah, you're not sure now, are you? You're not sure. Anyway, if they look normal, this is for them. And um, we do this in person because there's some great things you can do online, but some people want in person. And so um, you'll see how that works all explained on there. Um, but then if you want to study proper like Rana did. Um, We partner with Chester University, so we do um, bachelor's degrees in applied theology. We do options with church leadership, that's what I lead, and then youth ministry, and also performing arts, which is theatre and dance and other things I don't know about. Um, But those are validated by the University of Chester, that's our partner university, is Chester. And so we do bachelor's degrees and get, you know, most of our students get student loans and all that sort of stuff. Uh, And also in this booklet, this is a little booklet, these, these are all available on the desk at the back. It tells you about our master's courses. So if the person next to you doesn't look normal, but looks like they could do a master's course. Okay, I'll move on quickly. Um, so master's courses, how to, to do that as well. And loads of people don't realise you can actually get student loans for master's courses as well. So uh, all the propaganda is uh, on the uh, table out at the back if you want to get hold of that. Um, and do, do have a word with me, or even more, have a word um, with, with Rana, because here's one we prepared earlier. Um, I just want to reassure my wife, I'm putting my timer on, love. Okay. <laughs> she worries about that, doesn't she? And let's say, oh, yes, and now let's just try this. I might have to rely on you. Isn't that funny? Anyway, I won't do it yet, but I'll probably... 
Oh, okay, I'll rely on you when the time comes then. But it is a joy to be with you. And I do feel like God, I know, has dropped something into my heart to share with you guys this morning. Um, I've been doing this a long time now, and I don't want to just give speeches. I want to bring something from the heart of God. So important. So let me pray. Father, I want to thank you for your Holy Spirit present with us. And thank you that you, God, know each and every single one of us. I thank you, Lord, for people who have walked with you for many, many years. And some flying high and doing great, and some really struggling. But you know everyone. You also know people, Lord, who maybe are not walking with you. They don't really get this whole God thing and the whole church thing. But they're open, they're wondering. And Lord, you are brilliant at speaking to every single one of us. From the most mature, long-standing Christian to the one who isn't yet in the faith. I'm believing for all of that, Lord. And Lord, help my faltering words to be inspired by your Holy Spirit. Lord, grip our hearts with the word from the Lord Jesus Christ to every single one of us. And be glorified, Lord. And may our lives be changed because of an encounter with you this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It was the voice he heard first. Oh, yes, you can do the slide. <laughs> it was the voice he heard first. And then he heard knocking. And then he heard banging. He was in bed with his wife. It was 11 o'clock on a Saturday night. And there was a shouting, and he couldn't tell what was being said, but somebody was shouting. He heard the voice, he heard the knocking, he heard the banging. But what the heck's that? And eventually, he crept downstairs, got to the front door, perched around the front door, and there's a guy, and he's obviously drunk. He's obviously had a few. And he's been knocking and banging and shouting. He said, what do you want? He says, I need a push. <laughs> what? I need a push. He said, I can't help you, mate. I can't help you. He closed the door, went back upstairs, got back into bed. But they're a Christian couple. And you know Christian wives. <laughs> she said, what was that? Oh, some guy, he's obviously broken down in his car. Or his car battery's gone or something. And he wanted a push. And, and she says, and you didn't help him? Call yourself a Christian? What would Jesus do? <laughs> that's, that's horrible, that, isn't it? And so eventually, oh, for goodness sake... So she said, go and see if you can help him, all right. So she sent him. <laughs> any, any husbands? Not? Anyway, not that feeling. <laughs> and so he goes back downstairs, puts his boots on, puts his overcoat on. Goes, and by then, he can't hear anything. No voice, no sound, no banging. And so he looks into the darkness and can't see anything. And his kids are upstairs, fast asleep. His wife's wondering what's happening. He's got, and he says, are you still out there? And he hears this voice, yes, I am. And he says... And you still need some help? Yeah, I need a push. She says, well, where are you? Over here, on the swing. <laughs> you see, so easy to misunderstand a voice. For some people, that would just take a few seconds, okay? It'll take a few seconds. But the voice, the voice. Oh, we have a voice that shapes our lives. I hope you know that. We have one voice above all of the voices that shapes our lives. I've got two boys and a girl. And me and my boys, we used to watch Thomas the Tank Engine. Oh, I mean, my boys are in the mid-30s now, so you understand this was a while ago. And we watched Thomas the Tank Engine, and there's a really exciting Thomas the Tank Engine, where Gordon, and we all, you all know that, don't you? Gordon, the big engine, he's poorly, he's sick, because that's what happens. in there. And, and so 
suddenly the big long goods train that Gordon was supposed to pull, little tiny Thomas, and little Thomas is a little tank engine, little tiny. Ah, uh, oh. uh, yeah, thank you, thank you, it's good, yeah. <laughs> that always speeds up breaches, it always, <laughs> go on. And so little tiny Thomas the tank engine has to pull this huge goods train up a big hill. And so at the beginning he said, I can't do it, I can't do it, I just can't do it, I can't do it. And eventually the fat controller, that's the boss guy. And he says, Thomas, you can do it. You can do it. And so Thomas goes, no, I can't do it. You can do it, Thomas. And so Thomas sets off. And he starts off on the flat. And he's gone along. I think I can. I know I can. I think I can. I know I can. I think I can. I know. And then he starts going up the hill. I think I can. I know. I can. And he's getting near to the top of the hill. I think I can. I know I can. I think I can. I know I can. I, and he gets to the top of the hill and he's and he gets over the top and he starts going down the other side. I thought I could, I knew I could. I thought I could, I knew I could. Oh, it's a great one. You're not convinced, are you? <laughs> the theology of Thomas the Tank Engine. Matthew chapter 9. There's a woman who does the same thing. She goes to Jesus, and the Bible tells us she's been bleeding for 12 years, a whole menstrual thing, and it's a real problem, and socially it'd be a nightmare, religious-wise it'd be a nightmare, personally and hygiene-wise, big, big problems. And she goes to Jesus, and she touches the edge of his cloak, and she's healed. If you're a Christian, you know this story. And she's healed. And Jesus says, who touched me? And the disciples go, what are you on about, Jesus? We're all touching you. Oh, I love those stories. And Jesus says, there's loads of people banging into me, but somebody touched me with faith. And she's miraculously healed. But don't miss the little phrase, and I'm going to make sure I get my Bible right, Matthew 9, 21. Because Matthew 9, 21, it says, she kept on saying to herself, if I touch him, I'll be healed. If I touch him, I'll be healed. Just like Thomas the Tank. You see, you wondered about the Thomas the Tank theology. But Thomas the Tank had to, I think I can, I know I can. And this woman, as she approaches Jesus, she kept on saying to herself. That's how she fed faith, that when she touches Jesus' garment, she will be healed. And she was healed in the power of Jesus flooding into her. Psychologists call this self-talk. The most influential voice in your life is your own. You speak to yourself. No, I don't. (laughs) See? We speak to ourselves. And boy, that's a powerful voice. And I've had the privilege of pastoring and discipling many people in a number of churches over many years. And I have had the joy of seeing people released from damaging self-talk. I've seen people released into the freedom of who God called them to be because they have almost had CDs in their mind playing over and over and over again. I'm rubbish. I'm no good. I'm worthless. And we need to unpack some scripture because I'm going to ask you this question if you could put the next one. Which voice are you going to listen to? Which voice are you going to listen to? Sorry, are you having the trouble? Oh, okay, okay. I can manage with that. That's the key because you have a voice that shapes your self talk. And I want you to open, if you have your Bible, Luke chapter 3. 
If you're a guest or a visitor, you've probably got a Bible. But if you're a committed Christian, you've got a Bible and you read it regularly. Remember? I get people to open these. Paper Bible, digital Bible, Bible on your phone, whatever it is. It's good to sit in the Scripture. It's good to open this. To be honest, when I preach now, I don't put text up there because it's made church lazy. Anyway, that's just me. Be in the bonnet. Okay, get on, Pete. Okay, I'll keep going. But Luke chapter 3. Luke chapter 3. And we're going to look into over a chapter of Scripture. Middle of chapter 3 to middle of chapter 4. But we're going to just look at some highlights. So Luke chapter 3, verse 21. And we're going to see in this passage three voices that speak to Jesus and the one he chooses to listen to. And I believe every single one of us, we have three key voices that speak to us. And we choose which of those three voices shape our self-talk. That's why various people talk of cognitive therapy. That whole thing of what we think and what we say to ourselves that reinforces our thinking. So important. So, Luke chapter 3, verse 21. When all the people were being baptised, Jesus was baptised too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened. And the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love with you. I am well pleased. Oh, let's pause there. Because that is the voice from heaven. That is the voice from heaven. It's interesting that when it says all people are being baptised, Jesus was baptised too. The way that Luke, and Luke's a great gospel writer. He does four gospels, this is Luke's version. And Luke is probably the one that's most detailed and unpacks lots of different things. He's making Jesus accessible to every person on the planet. That's Luke's mission. And here, all the people being baptised, Jesus was baptised too. The focus is not Jesus being baptised. We call it, this is the baptism of Jesus. That's not the focus. It's like lots of people getting baptised and Jesus got done as well. It's like a throwaway comment. But it says, as he was praying, heaven was opened. Now, if you know your Old Testament at all, that little phrase, heaven was opened, do you know what that means? God is going to speak. God is going to do something. When you read through the prophets, read through the Old Testament, whenever it says, and the heavens were opened, wow, God is going to speak. So the focus of this is not Jesus being baptised. It's not even, actually, the dove coming upon Jesus in bodily form, the Holy Spirit descending. The key is heaven was open and a voice came from heaven. You are my son, who I love with you. I am well pleased. That's what God the Father said to Jesus. And that's what God the Father says to you and to me. You are my daughter, And I love you to bits. You are my son. And I think the world of you. That's what God says. Because if there's anything that damages our walk with Jesus, it's a wrong concept of God. If you have a concept of God of of the harshest bank manager you've ever known, mingled with the rottenest, nastiest estate agent you've ever met. I've I've got history there. Anyway. With the most horrible head teacher that's, and the hor- and we get God as a picture of all that. No, 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 no. The voice from heaven comes to you and me as it did to Jesus and says, You are my son. You are my daughter. You are my child. With you, I'm well pleased and I love you. 
And I've pastored people down the years. And I honestly know when you preach, you can tell people off dead easy. Tell people, oh, you should pray more. You should witness for Jesus. Jesus loves you to bits and he thinks you're great. I'm not sure about that. We find it hard to receive the affirmation of God. Let me quickly tell you three things this is not about, right? So, number one, voice from heaven. Oh, yes, well done. Well rescued. Voice from heaven. It's about a voice of love. You're my son. You're my son. You're my daughter. You're my daughter. It's a voice of love. It's a voice of identity. It is who we are. Do you know, Rana and I were talking about this just recently. Um, We live in a society where people are yearning to try and find identity. The whole transgender thing is a little tiny part of that. But maybe even trying trying to have a really great career so I know who I am. Blokes are terrible at this. I mean, women are catching up fast. But blokes, what's the second question? Hiya, my name's Bill. Oh, what do you do? How can I sociologically pigeonhole you? Oh, I had a friend who was an elder with me, and he was really naughty. And when people said, what do you do? He would, he would change between one time, he'd say, oh, I'm a refuse man, a bin man. And the next time he'd say, oh, I'm a neurosurgeon. Just because he wanted to see the difference, you know. Because, you see, we're, we're looking for identity. We're looking for affirmation. And sometimes that whole gender thing, but also trying to have a really better job, trying to earn the money. Oh, yes, if only I get two cars on the drive. Yes, I've made it. But it's not about that. A guy called Tim Keller, who Rana and I were chatting about, American preacher, pastor, just, just passed away a while ago. Um, he, he says, identity is not something you ever achieve. Identity is what you receive. You're my son. You're my daughter. I love you to bits. With you, I'm well chuffed. He says it to Jesus. He says it to us. But three things it's not about. Firstly, it's not about performance. It's not about performance. We read these verses. Heaven is opened. Voice from heaven. And God the Father affirms Jesus. You're my son, who I love. With you, I'm well pleased. That's the affirmation. Did you notice the very next verse? Verse 23. Now, Jesus was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. You see, the affirmation comes in verse 22, and then Jesus begins his ministry in verse 23. In other words, the ministry of Jesus comes out of the affirmation of the Father. He is not affirmed because of his performance. He's not affirmed because of how well he does. And believe me, I've known so many followers of Jesus and they're working so hard to get Jesus to like them. And they might be doing worship ministry. They might be playing instruments. They might be the really brave, like SAS Christians, doing children's ministry. They might be on welcome team. They might be putting the chairs out. They might be doing all sorts of things on all the rotors that churches have. And that's fine and dandy. But if the motive is I'm doing this ministry to get the affirmation from God, it's the wrong way around. It's the wrong way around. We do not do ministry to get the affirmation of the Father. I blame pastors, don't you? Because sometimes pastors can be like that. Trying so hard to do ministry to get God to like them. Jesus gets the affirmation of the Father before he begins his ministry. 
The foundation for all ministry you can do in Jesus' name is his affirmation before that. You don't do ministry to get affirmation. You do ministry because we have the affirmation of the Father. And if we don't get that, we have incredible insecurities all the time coming to the surface. So it's not about performance. Also, it's not about the perception of others. Now, I know you don't think at all about what other people think of you, do you? Whoa. I think I was probably in my mid-40s, maybe late 40s, before I reached that point where I thought, I just don't care what people think of me. Can you tell? Oh, it's so liberating. And I work with loads of shiny 18 to 25-year-olds at our college, and I try to help them to get that beforehand. Because so many people, we live in fear of what other people think of us. But this is not about that. Do you know how we know? The voice came from heaven to Jesus. It's not about Jesus. The voice wasn't like a big marketing campaign. The voice wasn't ever. So it wasn't about what other people think. And it's the same for you and me. Do you know what I've learned? If you are absolutely obsessed with relationship with Heavenly Father and our identity is rooted in who we are because of being his child, it takes the pressure off worrying what people think of you. And that is so liberating. So it's not about performance. It's not about the perception of others. It's not about the past. It's not about the past. Hey, some of you have got really dodgy pasts. I mean, I just know church. I know people. But it's not about the past. You know how we know that? It says, the voice came from heaven. You're my son, with whom I love. I'm well pleased. Then he begins his ministry. Then it says, he, he, he was thought to be the son of Joseph who was the son of Heli, the son of Matthew. Well, I'm not going to read them all. It goes back through all the generations, back to Adam. In other words, immediately after this is Jesus' family tree, his natural family tree. But you know what? That's not where his identity is rooted. And sometimes I work with people, some of our students, and they say, oh, my granddad was a famous Elim missionary. And? You know? Oh, my... So what? Whatever your past is... Don't matter. Now, Luke is very thorough. He's the most thorough of the gospel writers. So he puts in Jesus' family tree. And he goes back from Joseph all the way through the generations, generations, right back to Adam. So he's thorough. But it's not about that. It's not about your past. I remember many years ago, there's a young woman in our church, and she'd come to faith in Jesus. She was probably late 30s. Nothing wrong with being late 30s. Anybody? Um, but we did the class, I did the class about baptism. I love water baptism. Oh, yes, I love that. Just a good five minutes underneath. Oh, I love water baptisms. There's life, there's energy. I love new Christians. You need new energy in life. And I love all the dodgy questions. Oh, I love all that. Anyway, so I'm doing this baptism class. And one of the young women, one of these women, late 30s, she came to me afterwards. And um, she said, I'm, I'm not sure about this baptism thing. I just don't feel good enough. I'm like, oh, that's the whole point. I mean, Jesus has a lot more problems with people who think they are good enough. And so we had this chat. And then she said, and she, obviously I was a young pastor, so this is a while ago, a while ago. She says, I've had sex with a lot of people. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay. And, uh, and then she says, and for quite a while I've got paid for it. Okay, I know what you're saying. But then she said, oh no, that's not the problem. Oh. <laughs> she said, the two abortions, that's the problem. And now looking back, she said, I, I brought two lives to an end. Oh, she was distraught. She was distraught. But whatever the past we have, 
God is a God who forgives, who cleanses, who wipes the slate clean from the east is to the west. He completely and absolutely restores. And so we had some chat with her. We had some prayer with her. And we said, no, no, when you're baptized in water, it is a sign that the past is gone. That's the whole point. That's why you go under the water and it kills, as it were, metaphorically, the old life. And you come up, it's a fresh newness of life. Oh, we had a great conversation and we prayed. A week or two later, she, along with several others, got baptized. And she came up out of the water. And she looked at me and Jill. And as she came up out of the water, she goes, I'm clean, I'm clean, I'm forgiven, I've got new life in Jesus. And even the Christians are like, calm down, calm down. <laughs> but I knew what God was doing. And she's still walking with Jesus many years later. See, our past doesn't matter. But if we're not careful, we can think, well, my past is pretty good. Oh, my past is so bad, I can never really make it as a Christian. No, no, it's not about your past. The affirmation of the Heavenly Father, the voice from heaven, comes to Jesus and comes to you and me and says, when you come into relationship with me and accept Jesus as your Lord, you become a child of God. You are a son of God. You are a daughter of God. And he loves you. And he's for you. And by his spirit he lives within you. Oh, that is so powerful. It's not about our performance. It's not about the perception of other people. It's not about our past, whether it's good or bad. It's totally about the voice from heaven, which comes to Jesus in Luke 3 and comes to you and me. And that voice from heaven is affirming and loving and enlarges our soul. I can do all things in Christ because I am in him. I'm his child. Make sure your self-talk is shaped by that voice from heaven. Let's move on and see what happens to Jesus. Chapter 4. So we've done all the family tree. Immediately afterwards, it says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River and was led by the Spirit in the desert, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, he was hungry. The devil spoke to him. Whoa! If we had music now, we'd have a... He's quite good, that guy. Because that's what... The devil spoke to him. And verse 3 says, the devil spoke to him and said, if... You are the son of God. Can you see the very thing that half a chapter before had been affirmed by the father? The first words from heaven were, you are my son. What does Satan, the enemy, do straight away if you are the son of God? He throws doubt on the very core identity of who Jesus is. That is the voice from hell. That is the voice from hell. And some Pentecostals and charismaniacs, sorry, can find devils and demons all over the place. I remember years ago, a guy came to me, I need deliverance from a spirit, Pete. And I'm like, oh, oh, Pastor Pete, I need deliverance from a spirit. What's that then? I need deliverance from the spirit of nicotine. I'm like, no, you just need help giving up smoking, mate. Don't, don't blame a flipping demon. <laughs> Take personal responsibility. Anyway, so I'm not the sort of person that finds devils and demons all over the place. But the devil is real. And he wants to harm us. He wants to hurt us. The voice from hell always sows doubt. Doubt. The Satan's first words, if. And he comes to us. 
Oh, my goodness. Uh, down the years, especially pastoring blokes and still pastoring young men at the college, the whole thing with porn and masturbation. Can you say masturbation in church? Anyway, but porn and also... And the number of times I've had somebody who's been walking with Jesus for a while. They say, I'm not a Christian anymore because I sinned last night. And what does Satan do? If. Satan whispers to us, call yourself a Christian. You're not a flipping Christian. You're useless. You're never going to make it. Why don't you give up now? What if people at church knew what you were really like? Satan whispers those things. He sows doubt into us. Jesus himself in John 10 says of Satan, the thief, that's Satan, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they might have life. Jesus Christ is the life bringer. Satan is the destroyer. The destroyer of lies, the destroyer of truth. He fosters doubt if, and he wants to deceive us with lies. In Revelation, one of his names that Satan's given is the accuser. People sometimes say, the accuser of the brethren. Well, he's also the accuser of the cistern, whatever cisterns are. And he whispers to us. And you've had that, and I've had that. I've had times as a pastor, let alone as a Christian, where Satan whispers, you're flipping rubbish, you are. Call yourself a Christian. What about that? What about this? He wants to destroy our life in Christ. He wants to deceive us, and he sows doubt. Oh, that's the voice from hell. And that voice whispers to you and me, if. And don't miss the fact that Satan doesn't say, if anything else. He says, if you are the son of God. He goes for the jugular. He goes for the very core of what God had said to him. God had affirmed, you're my son. Satan says, if you are the son of God. But there's one more voice. The third voice. Chapter, still the same chapter, verse 14 now. Verse 14. So, the first voice from heaven, that was when Jesus was in the river Jordan. The second voice from hell, he's in the desert He now goes to Nazareth, his hometown. Verse 14. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. Full of the Spirit, in power of the Spirit. It's all the way through. And news about him spread through the whole countryside. He taught in their synagogues and everyone praised him. Don't miss that. Everyone praised him. Boy, good lad. Oh, yeah. Everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. And he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, and he unrolled it and found the place where it is written. Don't miss that. Jesus chose what he was going to read. It is written, the Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. This is from Isaiah, and it's what people call a messianic prophecy. It's a prophecy that the Messiah will come. This is written 600 years before Jesus, and it's a prophecy that Jesus, sorry, the Messiah will come. And Jesus reads this prophecy, and look look at this, he really, Jesus is quite naughty. Verse 20, then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. In Hebrew culture, that means he's going to teach. He said there was the opposite, was we stand at Hebrew time. He sat down. And then the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fast on him. And he began by saying to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Don't miss what's going on here. Jesus, 
He's gone to a synagogue in his hometown, Nazareth. He gets the prophet Isaiah. He unrolls the scroll, and big scroll for Isaiah, big book. He finds a messianic prophecy where the prophet is saying, hey, the Messiah's going to come. And Jesus sits down and says, hey, guess what, babies? Today, this has been fulfilled. You know that scripture says the Messiah is coming. <laughs> Ta-da! He's here. There's some people who have a poor understanding of the Bible and say, Jesus never came to be God, never came to be Messiah. Of course he did all the way through. He just did it subtle for people to pick up. He has just said, this prophecy says the Messiah will come, and today it is fulfilled. But look at the next verse. Oh, the next verse. Verse 22. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son? They said. This is the voice from earth. You see, there was the voice from heaven... There was the voice from hell, and now this is the voice from earth. The voice from earth can be polite. It it can be um, soft. But do you know what? It smallens us. I don't even know if that's a word. It reduces us. Oh, I remember one of the first times that I preached. I was about 23, 24, just become, no, 24, just become assistant pastor in the church I grew up in Manchester. And um, I had a proper job. I was an architect. I had a proper job. But I was assistant pastor. Um, and, uh, and this lady, and it honestly felt like she patted me on the head. Oh, that was nice. That was a nice message. Did you see that's what's happening here? Do you know why? Because Jesus is familiar to them. The Bible is very clear, and it says it several times. He went to Nazareth where he'd been brought up. He was known. And so therefore, when he says the Messiah is here, the people don't want to be nasty to him. It's not a voice from hell. But you know what they say? Oh, that's Joseph's lad. That's Joseph's lad. You know, the carpenter? Oh, Jesus makes a lovely chair. He does make a lovely chair. He's like, oh, yeah. And you know, our, our Edith's got a sideboard. Jesus made, oh, yeah, lovely. Oh, yeah. And do you remember? Do you remember he used to play for Nazareth United? Do you remember when he scored in the cup final, got that header? Jesus... That's the trump. Now, I'm not saying he played for Nazareth United, but you never know. We'll find out in heaven. But the point is, he's known and people are familiar with him. And because they're familiar with him, they miss the fact that he's the Messiah, the Deliverer, the coming King who's come to redeem them. And we have so many people in our society do that now. Oh, for goodness sake, I'm tired of people patting Jesus on the head and saying, oh, he's quite nice, isn't he? No! He's either the son of God came to deliver and set us free, or he was a liar and a fraudster and a cheat. I've got far less problem with somebody who says, I reject Jesus, I think he's a liar, a fraudster and a cheat. I've got respect for that. What I struggle with is, he's a nice prophet, he's a decent teacher. He wasn't a decent teacher if he lied. He's either the Lord God Almighty, or he's a fraudster and a cheat. And so often in our society, we reduce Jesus and pat him on the head. Oh, he's quite nice, isn't he? I do love a nice Jesus. Makes a nice chair. No. The voice from earth is polite, but it's unbelieving, and it always reduces us. I've down the years prayed for a number of people who've had issues with the whole thing. and I remember praying for one young woman, and I brought this prophetic thing, and we prayed. And she says, when I was seven, my dad said to me in a row, well, I wish you'd not been born. You know what that becomes? That becomes like a CD playing in your mind. 
one of my really good friends. I prayed with him once. It was really funny. We, we had a time in church where we were praying for people, and sometimes the power of the Spirit was strong, and some people were falling down. And so, but this guy, I mean, I can name him. He's a good mate of mine, Steve. And, um, and people used to come and stand behind them just in case people fell over in the power of God's Spirit. But it was Steve. I mean, I knew Steve. He's like, Burr. So I begin to pray for Steve. And blinking Steve with nobody, he falls forwards. I mean, I mean well, so he's like on top of me. So, I'm like, so we're both flat on the floor and I'm trying to pray for Steve. I mean, what did I say? But you know what God did for Steve that day? Steve had never been academic. He'd never been, you know, good at school. He read exams were rubbish and whatever. But he loved woodwork and metalwork. Or whatever it's called now, DT or whatever. He loved that. But he went back to when he was 13 years old and he did a project and took it into school and his favourite teacher in, on, in the only subject he felt he was good in looked at it, threw whatever it was on the floor and says, that's rubbish, you'll never amount to anything. This is 25 years later and that CD is still in his mind. Do you know why? Because it's informing his self-talk. It's going round and round his head. And when I put this message together, I believe that there are people here and you have self-talk going round and round. You say to yourself, I'm rubbish. I'll never do anything right. I'm a really rubbish Christian. My prayers don't matter. I'm always going to get it wrong. I'm never going to grow in Jesus. I'm never going to amount to anything. And the voice of some people, you'll never amount to anything. Maybe there's somebody... And your dad said to you, a woman, and she said, and, and, and your dad said to you, I wish you'd, wish you'd been a boy. Oh, those things hurt. Or maybe somebody who's been divorced and your former partner said something that's like a CD. Maybe you had an authority figure in your life, a school, at work maybe, a church maybe, obviously not this church. But somehow the authority figure has spoken a word in. It's, it's going round and round and round. And it's shaping who you are. So I want us to be really clear. Jesus hears three voices. He hears the voice from heaven, which is a voice of love and affirmation. And it enlarges. Then he hears the voice from hell which lies and deceives and sows doubt. And then he hears the voice from earth, which is, oh, calm down, he's all right. Nice lad. Nice lad, but he's not the Messiah. And do you know what? The same comes to us. When it comes to your self-identity, which voice are you choosing to listen to? Is it the voice from earth? Maybe nice and polite, but ultimately, it reduces and restricts you. It limits who God made you to be. Or is it the voice from hell, the devil, who sows doubt and deceives and seeks to destroy your sense of worth and your vocation and calling in God? Or is it the voice from heaven, the unconditional, loving affirmation of God your father which enlarges your soul and releases your potential to be the best you you could possibly be we're going to pray it's always good when the preacher closes the bible don't you think <laughs> on the other hand 
Because I know God wants to touch lives. And it may be that if God has spoken something specifically to you, you may want to be prayed with, and I'm very happy if it's okay, for you to come and stand at the front, and I'm sure uh, Rana and Becky and others, I'm sure, will be around to pray. Maybe Jill and me can pray. If, if, if you feel that coming forward and responding to what you know God has said to you, I would love to pray with you, or one, one of us. Um, maybe that if you're here with somebody that you quite get on with, that you might want to just turn to the person next to you and pray for one another. Don't go passive. Don't go passive. Passive is like just nodding off and waiting for the cup of tea. Don't do that. Because God's here. God gave me a prophetic picture. Somebody who's a driver. And this is obviously a metaphor. It's not the reality. But you're driving and you're on the motorway and suddenly it feels like two big trucks have come either side of you. And then suddenly there's a big truck behind you. And there's a big truck in front of you. And you're hemmed in. Somebody here, you're feeling hemmed in. And you're looking sideways. You're looking here. You're looking there. But you know what? The answer is not there. The answer's there. Because you're hemmed in. And I just get the feeling that whether it's a relational thing, a relationship that's not great, or a financial thing, or a career thing, or a health thing, you're feeling hemmed in. And Jesus wants to come into your life and lift you up and out. You ain't going to go sideways because there's no way out. Don't look sideways, look up. Um, are the musicians able to come back for a start? Is that all right? Stay around. What's that voice speaking to you? What's that voice speaking to you? Let's all stand, shall we? Can we all stand? If you want to say to the person next to you, this is how I would love you to pray for me, then you can pray where you are. If you want to come to the front and some of us pray for you, you can do that. But I know there's somebody here and you're hemmed in. And I know there are people here and you have that, that CD in your mind. What that, what that person said to you out of a bad relationship or an authority figure, there's something and it's just going round and round. You're worthless, you're hopeless, you'll never make it, you're rubbish, you're blah, blah, blah. Going round and round. This morning I believe the Lord Jesus Christ, by his spirit present with us, can touch you and release you from that damaging self-talk. Just like that lady, she kept on saying to herself, yes, I can touch Jesus and be healed. So let's do that. Quietly pray for the person next to you. And if you want to come to the front to be prayed for, we'd love to do that.